0: welcome to the pinnacle meet Robbie Boucher and my and the regular co-host Nick Marshall good evening and this week we're going to talk about um, all things mental health um, coping strategies all types of treatment and stuff we've all had personally and hopefully can help some people at home and to help us with that we're joined by uh, Jack Donovan from mental muscles health hello all right um, so basically, the first question is, is, what is Mental Muscles Health?
1: So Mental Muscles Health is a bit of a vision that's just come to life in trying to bring a collaboration between both your physical and your mental well-being um, and looking at creating programmes, particularly for starting from a young age, being able to associate both of them together and actually find out that it is okay to talk and find ways of being able to create a more positive uh, sense of mental and emotional well-being. Um, I think at the moment, to be fair, there's far too much, um, let's say, emphasis on the aspect of you've got to be physically well and everything, and there is far little um, real impact in schools in particular, um, focusing on your mental well-being from a young age.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. We growing up, um, I don't know. Obviously, your both opinion is. When I was at school, mental health was almost like a, a two-boo subject. In fact, we can't really say. It. You know, I'm only 26, so I'm still you know quite young. But growing up, you never talk about how to look after your mental health. You get taught in like PE and your physical um, education lessons about you know how to keep fit. You know different sports, how to play different sports, but you don't get taught how to you know mentally to
1: um yeah you know, exactly
0: not not cope but you know be mentally look after yourself you know um so what would be your you know for someone who's having a hard time what would be your uh first thing is it just exercise
1: or i find i personally say you've got to find what works for you um not everybody is naturally going to exercise and feel better and actually it's quite interesting so um i've done a couple of um webinars recently Through work on mental health, and I actually did from that. I did one of my own studies and came across a psychologist called B J Fogg and he's at. I've sort of toyed with something about him with some pupils about how to find the right coping strategy for you. Okay. Example: If you went for a run, that might help somebody. And they might then think, right, every time I feel like that, I'm going to go like that and I'm going to clear my head. That's not going to work for everyone. You've got to really try and find something that triggers something called like a positive emotional response. Okay. So you could do, you could take on board some advice and say, yeah, I'm going to try that. And actually it doesn't really work. And then you'll hit sort of a downslope again. But for me, I'd say the best thing I've come across is probably journaling. Okay, yeah. Um, and there's also a strategy called color breathing, which is quite more well, it's more on the uh, mindfulness topic, which is sort of as you breathe in, you visualize one color that you think is positive, like it could be like bright yellow, like the sunshine or something. And then as you breathe out, you try and focus on the negative color and really focus on that you're exhaling that color from your body.
0: That sounds awesome. I mean, that's something, you know, if you are having a bad day with depression, um, personally, I have suffered from, I suffer from both anxiety and depression. Yeah, that sounds like a good thing to do. If you're having a bad day, um, we all have them is, you know, like you say, you like other ones I've been taught is if you're, if I'm feeling anxious, you look at things. So you think I'm looking at a window, I'm looking at a, a painting, I'm looking at a curtain. And then you about yeah. stuff like what you hear and what you taste, and you know, taste is a bit more dodgy because if you're looking at someone, you can't go and lick them, you know. <laughs> um, but that sort of actually thing, not, so especially not at the team. moment. Yeah, <laughs> actually,
1: you've got to meet me a long time.
2: That's
1: fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Jack, uh, what,
2: what what made you set up the the, the group that you're, you're looking to do? Is it is it sort of a passion of yours? What what's your sort of background?
1: Um. It's quite a long story really so um when i sort of got into my late teens uh i started to find out uh, i had a discussion with my family really my my mum was diagnosed of anxiety and was mentally unwell um still suffers from it now and has gone through various treatments etc and i was pursuing different sort of career acts, went into university and when i was 21 unfortunately i had um I had a very bad mental battle, but obviously didn't really do anything about it. And um, I'm quite fortunate in the fact that I went through a stage where, unfortunately, I, I tried to take my own life. And it's, it's something that I now don't regret because of where I am now, but I'm, I'm very glad I came through it. And um, I sort of went through a couple of years where I ended up working in education, which was never really the plan for me. Um, and unfortunately I had two friends um, in the same year take their own life um, working education at the time I was still having my own mental battles and stuff um, it was actually through rugby uh, so that's how I knew them and I decided I wanted to get back into rugby because of that and something triggered in my head and then became a real association with fitness for me. So at the time, I was 153 kilos and I went down to 93. So, um, so would you have said, obviously, 153? You're, you're
2: looking in good shape now, but what, <laughs> what, what obviously it's hard for the viewers and to listen, yeah, listening to you. But what how, were you classed as obese? Were you? did you? I was mate, I was more, more scared more. about situation were you eating possibly and things like
1: that yeah massively I was morbidly obese and um, so I it wasn't really because something just triggered in my head and I decided to get into fitness and it I wouldn't say it became an obsession I'd say I got a really good positive emotion from it and that's when I started to actually notice that there's a correlation between both your physical health and your mental health and I mean, I'd even have days where I went to the gym and stuff, and my head wasn't there, so I wouldn't have a good session. I started looking into stuff. Why? Um, So I started looking back at how I was at school, what I thought about, let's say, the physical education stuff, because obviously I I teach PE in school. And through the last couple of years, it's really clear to see. So I work at a primary age, and... There really isn't anything for them. You, you get told, oh, yeah, when you're sad and everything, you need to talk about it. But that's about it, really. You've got these chill-out zones. You've got um, like self-help journals and stuff. But children aren't... I don't think they're taught about your actual mental well-being until it's too late. Mm. Because a lot of boys now as well, you start hitting puberty, sort of 11, 12. That's early onset you see like in primary age when boys are like 11 they're getting competitive they want to be at each other and everything and then you can see sort of let's say at the end of break time for example you've had a football game two of them have got a little bit heated as as can happen and then they don't want to show that either of them are upset or stuff and that emotion then becomes bottled up they go into the classroom it stays bottled up etc and it's it's something that i don't think is actually taught and um so the whole the whole idea about mental muscles health coming about is that i've really looked at trying to create a system particularly starting in schools but also for those outside of schools whether it's like a small group in a community center even like a retirement home something like that but creating different systems to try and focus on a collaboration between your mental and your physical health or even one or the other, um, because yeah, it's it's just something that I don't think there's enough attention to. And for what a lot of people say, oh, this will help. Um, it's like we touched on earlier. Not not one thing is going to help. Like you can't just put a label on something; mm-hmm. and it be fixed really. So
0: this something you want to bring into school because this is something that. You know, looking back on my education, that I was so uneducated about mental health. Um, and it is like, you know, when I was at school, you go and play rugby, you're playing football, mm-hmm. you are very competitive, and I was competitive. And if someone annoyed me or someone said something I didn't like, I would bottle it up. And it wasn't until yeah. I would say early twenties, well, not long ago, that I had a breakdown. And I think yeah. a lot of it was due to school stuff so i completely rely on that you know i completely um connect to that sorry um you know if i knew and i was educated in this field you know even at school like say so you, you know something if you came into a school and you just did a um i don't know you know did a yeah was it a PSE lesson whatever you would call it P S H E yeah yes yeah and you know take it and actually have a conversation about it you know and it, you know you know, not almost. You know, from a young age, all the way up, to, all the way up through school, mm. and actually let them have a talk and actually, and un- um, being educated in it. Is that something you want to aim to do?
1: Yeah, it is. So I've I've actually created a range of programs, um, and the whole ethos as well. One thing that I stress massively through anything that I do with mental muscles Health is about creating something called a fit culture, but actually using the word fit as sort of an acronym for saying you're forever improving together awesome rather than actually being physically fit you are going to be fit whenever you work in a team and you actually work using other people etc so there's there's all sorts of different things um like a couple of examples of um of programs that i've sort of created nice simple ones of well-being workout where you do a bit of exercise you give the um i'm going to call them the subject but that's not really what i want to call it part um control over the basis of the session so it could be i want to do something football based i want to do something tennis based okay brilliant and then at the end of that because the endorphins and everything going around in your body you're actually sat down and it's easier to talk because mm-hmm. there's less of a physical strain on your body so actually it will be a much easier time to talk you have a chat about how you're feeling and everything, how your day's going, home life, et cetera. And then you go back into that sport or workout for five more minutes, and then they can like re enter the school zone. To um, so things like uh, one of the other programs that I've got is something called a positive powwow, which is purely just a chat and in a safe space where you could either do it in groups or individual sort of life coaching session. But just opportunities for people to experience different things. I mean, you may go into school and teachers may notice one pupil may benefit from one thing, but another might benefit from the other. Um, so, and like you say, I don't think the opportunity is there for people in school. Um,
2: you think, so,
1: sorry to play Dev's
2: advocate yeah, here, but you think, I mean, I was discussing somebody with somebody today about stigmas around children particularly with the social media that's going on and 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 all all the sort of hate that's behind people when yeah. they're on screens do you think there's an element of of fear in children that they, if they do give out their emotions that they're going to get picked on because of that
1: oh how, how,
2: how do you control that
1: it's a really really good point that because you do see so much of well, we like the modern-day keyboard warrior, they'll say everything behind the screen, but in person, you're afraid because somebody might view it as either very outspoken or wrong, or you might feel embarrassed or scared to say it. And it's almost that whole, I know you said like devil's advocate sort of thing, but it's almost saying the internet has actually caused a massive issue for us because it's taken away that whole almost a freedom of speech thing yeah so um and like with you completely i think that has caused a massive issue and i think because of that children are and even adults now people feel safer to say something behind an anonymous face on an internet site rather than actually be able to sort of preach what they're feeling in person it's I, I
0: i mean with the old um Social media, uh, with the impact of social media, uh, like the Facebooks or Twitters, obviously more are available. That is such a battleground, isn't it, of, of people being competitive? And yeah, and I think that is again, you know, you see someone who's got all getting all the friends, get, you know, going on these fancy holidays and stuff, for someone who hasn't got that, looking at it, that yeah, I have definitely found that growing up that you know why they got the nice car why have they got that and that really Mm. messed my head up because I was like why can't I have that and it really affects you I mean obviously with you working in a school you know would you actually probably not in your age group but you know as they go on they will probably get in this field of competitiveness of you know wanting to you know wanting all the attention on social media
1: yeah and You say sort of as children are going on and nowadays you see sort of like various jokes about the fact that children might, let's say they're in, they've gone up to secondary school and there's all sorts of jokes that like the younger kids in the secondary school are being a bit more mouthy to the older kids now and we're seeing that come through. Um, It's probably because they don't actually know how to get their emotions out. They're probably not actually going to be mouthy or aggressive, but that's how they're feeling they've got a voice themselves. And the amount of children who are about to go into secondary school and don't know what they're going to face is quite scary because at the end of the day, everyone everyone's going to be a little bit scared of a new challenge. And I don't think there's enough sort of acceptance about that. Mm.
2: No, it's a really good point. And I, I think something that you said earlier on and you, when you talked about your battles and the fact that you you were in a really dark place, and consider taking your life um, I've been in the same position and Robbie, you have as well with, with battles that you've been facing so I, I think it is getting more acceptable to put your hand up and say look I've got a problem and I've been in a really dark place but mm. it's almost changing that culture of, of people just accepting that it's day to day chit chat that somebody says yeah I'm having a bad day today um, yeah. whether they're having suicidal tendencies or whatever it's just it, it's, making the, it's making the fact that people are suffering with all these mental health issues and just making it the norm and just giving them the coping strategies. And what's the coping strategies that are are the most important thing because it allows people and and particularly the kids, as you alluded to before, it allows them to offload things in the controlled way, as opposed to that perceived being gobby, being aggressive. It's just their way of showcasing how to feel. Yeah,
1: massively. And I will say, so, um, I currently work at, um, I'm working, work at a junior school sort of in uh, the Warwickshire area and you said about the offloading I, I was given full permission to so as well as doing PI I run all the well-being and um, services for the school and I got, I got the opportunity to sort of run the school council which I found a very interesting thing because it's a council obviously student-led etc and it's a very large junior school and um, we rebranded it Uh, So we rebranded it uh, and for the kids. The kids absolutely loved it. We called it a swag group. The kids are all like going around and saying, oh yeah, swag, it's really cool and stuff. But we had it actually standing for your self-worth action group. And sort of the initiation for it was we had a Valentine's Day assembly, which we did the whole thing on self-love, which really opened the eyes of quite a lot of pupils. And there were questions being asked about it, etc. And we had... Uh, parents watching as well which is fantastic and a lot of these kids had no idea what self-respect meant what self-worth meant what self-love meant, and what uh, self-esteem meant and you sort of get to adulthood and you're like those are really important things all of the kids could say about the fact that oh yeah you've got to show love about this you've got to show that you care about them because not about you've got to know that you've got to look after yourself. You've got to love yourself. You've got to respect yourself. Everything now is taught. Oh, you've got to respect them. You've got to love that. And it was quite. An, it was really eye opening, actually, that something that small had that bigger difference.
0: Amazing. So is it it's almost like a lack of education.
1: Yeah, well, it is. I think it's just something that's. It's not really. It's not ingrained in people. It's missing. Yeah, it's missing yeah. completely. Um, it even goes back to, I had a look at um, the National Health Survey report of England. Um, in fact, this was this month. Um, and it, it had the measures of health in children. And you had like children's association with vegetables, um, children's obesity, and then the other three measures of health in children were their uses of e-cigarettes, uses of cigarettes and uses of drugs and alcohol. And I'm sort of thinking, hang on, there's nothing about their fitness and there's nothing about their mental well-being. Surely those are the two biggest examples of health that need to be measured.
0: Yeah, 100%, 100%, yeah. I'm, I'm stunned on that. that is absolutely, I think that, I wish I'd seen this now. Wow.
1: Because they they do have, like, they have, like, mental health reports and stuff, but their general health report, you've got to, you've really got to look at that. Because, for me, health, that's why why mental muscles health has sort of been founded. Health needs to come into one bubble. The moment you start segregating different bits is where you then don't, you're not able to have the correlation between finding ways that's going to help people. Because you are literally saying, that is one anomaly, work on that yep. another anomaly work on that separately what that does is creates another element of stress and time so mm, definitely
2: so, uh, um, it's just something you i know we've been speaking quite a lot about children but just just to sort of broaden the, the conversation a little bit more uh, yeah you alluded to the older generations and, and working with yeah. some um possible sort of care homes and things like that in the future uh, how, what's your sort of aspects because particularly at the moment where a lot of people a lot of older people are maybe living alone really struggling mm. with self-isolation not having any contact because they're class as vulnerable how how would you sort of look to target somebody like that as a as one of your sort of um oh, subjects, as you sort of alluded to earlier on yeah
1: yeah no particularly i think the whole sort of covid situation has obviously been very difficult and I know that a lot of the shielding aspects are going to be difficult, um, but it's even about. Um, I'm going to use my grandma for example. She lives. She lives in like a. Um, I'd say communal, but like a residential area, and they've got a very good communal living space where a lot of people congregate, and they do different events there. And she sort of gave me the idea, really, in the fact that they have people go in and like show them slideshows of different places in the world like uh different nature bits so like many nature documentaries etc and it's it's one of those things that i don't think i'm gonna say the elderly i don't think that people think oh yeah that's um that's an age demographic that would benefit from a bit of physical activity in a chat because they've got to that age but at the end of the day (laughs) they're not necessarily going to have got there completely easily. Mm. It's actually something that I feel if you went in, you'd have to tailor the physical activity, even whether it's something doing your hands um, or literally just like hands or mind, something nice and simple, but where you're actually able to engage with each other. Because particularly like you say with COVID and everything at the moment, a lot of these people are going to have been on their own for a long time.
2: Yeah.
1: So, and the amount of people who benefit and thrive off that uh, social interaction, um, so it would, far, it would be far more social. Um, and it's something that I don't think is really thought about. So it, it's just the whole element that it would be useful for them um, yeah, sort of just, just an external, external source, but it's a way of interacting with somebody different, but also interacting with each other in a different way. Because it's like, it's like um, you guys said earlier, it's all well and good sort of saying, oh, yeah, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, brilliant. And the conversation. That's fantastic, isn't it? But you could actually go into that environment and go, how are you feeling today? Yeah, good. What about the rest of the week? Yeah, I had this off day. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Why why did you do that? And then all of a sudden, it's like the burden's being shared and particularly being in in that environment when you could be on your own, you don't get to talk about what's happened each day. So being able to share that, I think would be a fantastic opportunity. 100% and and
2: actually something you you said there about um, how many times do people when they greet each other it's like hi how are you and it's almost I'm fine and that's just just a greeting I hate the line I'm fine it just doesn't mean anything and and almost if you're walking down the street and you say hi how are you and somebody turned around to me and said well I'm not very good at the moment you've you've referred to 10 minutes firstly I'd be shocked because it's almost not in people's nature to do that yeah. but at the same time i would think to that person fair play to you let's go and have a brew somewhere because yeah i'm that sort of person i wouldn't turn somebody away for that but at no. the same time we i think we leave, live such busy lives everyone's in a rush all the time nobody's really got it would be a shock if somebody turned around and went yeah let's just go and have a chat it's yeah you, you're looking at your watch going oh i've, I've got to go here but potentially that, it,
1: that chat could save somebody's life yeah and it's like you saying that when you see somebody in a high street you would almost get frowned upon or frowned at if you put your hand up, smiled at someone and went, oh, hello, as you're walking past, and they're a complete stranger. Yeah. That's seen as abnormal behaviour. Yeah. yeah. And why, why is that? Because that, sh- that should be the norm. That should be everyone. And if somebody walked past me, I'd smile back. I'd be like, yeah, brilliant.
2: That's I guarantee I guarantee. if we speak to our, our grandparents or whatever, unfortunately, mine are- Not here, but back in the day, that would have been the norm. People tipping their hats and just that norm. I don't know where we got away from that sort of just courtesy. Because, again, Mm. in terms of mental health and well-being, how much much would it feel good just to say hello, good morning to somebody? It makes you feel good straight away. So why can't we do that? I don't know. It's just...
0: I mean, you think about it. It's two people interacted there. So you go, one person says, hello, good morning, whatever time of day it is. And someone's saying it back, you go, oh, happy days. It makes them feel more comfortable. Makes you feel more comfortable. And you do it again and again and again. I mean, it's not hard to do, is it? I completely agree with that. Completely, yeah. There's a challenge for us three tomorrow to walk down the street and say hello to people. <laughs>
2: get we've looked. We'll, have a competi- we'll have a competition to see how many frowns and groans and... You know, <laughs> yeah. interesting, actually, to see. If you, if you ask ten people down the street, randomly, how many would actually say hello. I think you'd probably get more
0: people ignore you than you would hello. because more people would look at you weird, wouldn't they? Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good test to do, actually. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of those interesting ones, isn't it? Because like you say, and Nick, like you mentioned as well, it could, that could probably make a difference to somebody like, somebody's life. The amount of people who probably walk through the street and they're having a bad day and actually thinking to themselves, oh, I'm invisible in this world that slight acknowledgement will make them go, Oh, maybe I'm not. Yeah. Keeps hmm. them. Yeah, it
0: straight away. I mean, obviously one of the big things uh, is uh, eating disorders. Is there anything you would say about that? I mean, I know someone who is been in hospital uh, since her school. She's uh, yeah. a year younger than me. She's been in school. Where, um, she's been uh, suffering with anorexia since we've obviously uh, with her. She's quite vocal. Um, she's, trying to change her mindset and a lot of it was on social media um the stuff like instagrams and the facebooks of the world obviously others are, are available she was looking at that and obviously for you know some people in your age group you teach how would you try and educate someone like you know, so, you know your body's fine because that this, for me is quite a touchy subject Is how do you teach someone actually you know how you were built is fine. Instead of when they get older, like she found, when she actually got called fat by her boyfriend on um, Instagram or something like that, that triggered it. And then she ended up starving herself and she's you know, still suffering from this today.
1: Yeah, see, I, I'm quite a big advocate for this, obviously. I, I was a bit larger as a child and everything. And then very, very, very morbidly obese once I stopped playing rugby and then got fit to get back into it. And um, I'm actually, I'm going to plug the logo a little bit. So I've got uh, the Mental Muscles Help logo. You've got like blue at the top, which is for your clear mind, red for your body, your muscles, and green for your nutrition, which is what you put in. Awesome. Um, I make sure that I do at least one lesson per half term um, going against the grain of the PE curriculum, telling children about nutrition. And I like to use the analogy... Um, of a car and I say to them what do you put in a car and obviously some of them give silly answers like shopping bags and (laughs) um, people but at the end of the day you put petrol or you put fuel in a car Um, if you don't put enough you're not going to get where you need to go and then if you put too much it's just going to come out um, overflow and have no use you need to find and I said every single person is different. And it's quite interesting with children because you've got some who are taller, some who are built bigger, some who are a lot smaller. And they start to understand a different sized
0: engine.
1: Mm. Um, and again, like we've said about the mental health, nutrition is not taught to children at a young age. And it's actually one of the things that is scarily bad. Do you think there's an element of
2: lack of understanding from parents?
1: I think there is. I'm
2: not trying to blame. I'm not trying to blame parents. No, I think there's an no.
1: Educational... Com- completely agree with you. I think there is. I think there is a lack of education from parents. And at the end of the day, I I sort of criticise supermarkets and and uh, the government for this. You you go into a shop and you've got a five pack of bananas for one pound, or you've got a 10 pack variety of crisps for 70p and you sort of like hang on what what's going to last you longer particularly for those families who might be living a little bit more on the bread line and at the end of the day if you buying the unhealthier stuff is actually a lot cheaper yeah um like you go into supermarket now i guarantee you'll find a can of coke probably 20p cheaper than the big bottle of water yeah. it's it's something that i don't think there is enough education on um for families um obviously it can't just be down to children but yes i know there is an influence from parents but it's like one of the things that we've done is we've done drop-in clinics um and like another another program that i've actually uh, designed is called fit with family where you actually look at creating a food diary or a food plan uh, to go alongside with weekly workout targets and like you could treat yourself and stuff at the end of the week, et cetera. But um, I think the whole, the whole ethos of the nutrition side um, when it comes to particularly body image is this, it's really, really neglected. And like you get to, you get to secondary school and you go into GCSEs, you learn, you learn very little about your carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. And mm. like some people might even not know but like working with fitness and stuff you learn a lot more about it but they're really important components of your whole life and it's things like people i i hate when people say um say the word diet and that's what i'm going to you you're really going to talk about so if you write the word diet on a board Almost, I'm, I'm going to say about 75% of people will say that's what you do to lose weight.
0: Mm.
1: And actually, if you Google the word diet or you look it up in dictionary, it comes up with what you eat. Diet is what you eat and everybody thinks that, oh, you said the word diet, I'm going to eat less. But it's really not. Um, I just, I find it quite shocking that you don't, you don't get taught that. Like, you get taught what the diet is of a lion, what the diet is of, like, a zebra or something like that, but you don't get taught what you need in your own diet as a, as a child or adolescent. And That sort of education could help massively with body image um, because when you don't learn about that, that's when you create that really unhealthy relationship with food. And... Um, I've sort of touched on another word there, like relationship with food. And that's that's where that's where everything gets wrong. Because if you do get body shamed or something like that, that's when you straight away go, I don't understand my relationship with food. Now I'm gonna neglect it. Whereas if you did understand and you got cool fat or too skinny, you may have a better understanding of going, Oh am I eating too much or am I doing that? And possibly not. I can't say because I don't, I don't I'm not a hundred percent sure on it. And I think there needs to be more research into that. Um, but with that education, if that was actually something that was able to make a difference, then it, it needs to be pumped into the school system.
2: Do you know. Do you know what, Jack? I think I think that's really important. And I think nutrition is actually something that we should get onto um, in another in another show in the future, just because mm. you talked about sort of, the relationship with food and and you obviously had a relationship where at the time you were eating too much and and you alluded to you were training and you had a relationship with training. And again, there's a real fine balance between how you take training, whether you've become obsessed with body, again, body image and looking at people with 15 abs and whatever else, which is unfortunately with Photoshop again, you've got the social media element and it's a lot of untruths. And I think we need, probably need to cover that in a, in a whole new episode because there's so many more um, issues just, just around food and body shaming and stuff like that. So
1: it'd
2: be great to get you back on and talk about that from a nutrition perspective as well. Yeah, no,
1: I'd happily do that. And sort of just, just touching on what you said there as well. This, the whole Photoshop thing, because we sort of spoken about education, children aged 10 and 11 are fully aware of that. They're expecting at that young age to be working towards that, and that is going to cause massive issues for them going through secondary school. What do you, what do you mean, sorry, working towards... Like uh, like you're saying about the photoshopped images of people like, yeah. in abs and stuff like that.
2: So they're still expecting, they want to, it, the muscles, they want the abs, they want... Massively. ...to be toned, even at that age. Yeah. Wow. My my son is three, and it scares me. It genuinely scares me. because You just don't know what sort of what
1: sort of world he's going to be growing up into no exactly it's it's all it's all very different and again what i know you said you'll talk about nutrition on another show but one example that i like to use i've actually shown i've shown um kids the photos before you could put you could put um let's say an amateur runner who could look like they're quite in quite good shape, might might not be too lean, but they might sort of be a fun runner, like run a five or 10K. Put a picture of them next to the likes of Eddie Hall or Laurence Charlotte two Britain's strongest ever man. Who's fitter? Oh, the, the runner. Why? Well, he looks it. But actually, then you say to them, actually, no, this person's fitter. He can do this, he does this, etc. cetera. And they're like, really, and that again is because we've been we've been dictated to by social media, by any media, that that is not the norm. No, you can't look like that and be fit. So, yeah, it's it's very wrong. But it's but what
2: again? It's the education as what do classes fit? Like, people class as fit, and I hate the BMI. I hate the BMI scale, because oh, what imaginary. does it tell you? It, it doesn't tell you. I mean, I'm, I'm 97 and a half kilos at the moment. I'm classed as, um, nearly classed as obese on the, yeah. on the scale. And I'm thinking, eh? Uh, but because I'm, I've got broad shoulders and whatever else, it doesn't, it doesn't tell you. And then, as you say, we're all into rugby, and you look at some of these props nowadays that can run a, 100 metres in... 14 seconds or whatever, uh, sorry, quicker than that, um, 12 seconds or whatever they can, 11 seconds. And they're massive. They're big blokes. Yes. but they're not obese.
1: It's uh, just... But, yeah, I was going to say a lot. The health system does desperately need to have a look at all of that because yeah. it's a very false picture. And you
2: said about Eddie Hall, I, I'd love to know how many calories Eddie Hall puts in his body and how many times a day he's eating because
1: to yeah. maintain
2: his structure, he's got to be eating all day.
1: Mm. massively yeah That's okay. like on. to be fair you, you're saying that I obviously sort of everything that's gone on in media because uh, I enjoy following the man quite a lot He um, he's like shredding down for this fight that he's got coming out with the mountain but and he's dropped he's dropped a series, he's dropped about 20 kilos recently mm, I fo- I do follow him and he's weighing he's weighing 162 kilos and he's got a massive six pack and you're thinking <laughs> Absolutely huge. And this, is, this isn't something where it's shredded and um, like that perfect, oh, that's what you expect to see on the front of like Men's Health magazine on all the adverts. That is sheer muscle. And that's not going to get the recognition.
2: No. And he's because- quite a hairy bloke as well, isn't he? I seem to remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, again, you can't get your babe oil on that.
1: No. <laughs> but again, again kid, obviously like growing up and stuff, that's, that's not going to be what is dictated to be like normal and I'm actually gonna use big I'm I'm not gonna say the word fat but bigger children growing up, they don't see opportunities like that. Like they might be very naturally strong, enjoy being strong or something like that, but not actually think there's anything for them because they're not going to see those sort of opportunities because that's not what broadcast. That's not what is viewed as being acceptable. Really, you, every, everything is, oh, you play football, you play hockey, tennis. Everything. That's not for everybody. Somebody might be able to go at the age of sort of 18 and lift a weight that somebody like age 30 wouldn't be able to. And all of a sudden, oh, this is good. And that could actually trigger something for them that is a really good, like we'll go back to the whole coping mechanism thing. That could be their their outlet.
2: I think the moral of the story there is try anything once and and if you've got a clear aspiration to, or or you maybe may not necessarily like doing something, but just give something a go and don't say I don't like something. It's the same with nutrition. Don't say I don't like
0: something until you've tried it once.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um,
0: Cool. Cool. Good stuff. Right, I'll leave it there. Um, like I said, thank you, Jack, for joining us today. You've been absolutely awesome. I mean, no I, worries, really, I really enjoyed today. Um, just, I'm, yeah, I'm astounded. I think Nick, you're, I think you're,
1: yeah, as well. Um, I, I do just want to say one thing. The whole dream for Mental Muscles Health is, I don't want it purely to be. Obviously, it is a business, but. I want it to be a funded opportunity for schools. Like the way I want to go about it is looking for sponsors from local communities to sponsor their local community school systems. So it would actually be able to be an approach schools and say, look, we've got this free system in place. We can actually fund it for you because I think at the moment there is so much stress on, it's, it's not cheap to go and get a mental health service nowadays. And to be able to grant that to, uh, that to local schools would be an absolutely fantastic opportunity. So that is the dream in the long run. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Uh, obviously here at the Pinnacle Mindset Chat Show, uh, not just a chat show, we want to try and help people. If you're watching this and you want to get in contact with Jack to give us a message. We're on all platforms of you know, social media, YouTube, we're on Spotify now. I say if you've got any questions, anything you want us to talk about, please get in contact. We we'll really appreciate it. And I said, yeah, again, thank you, Jack, for joining us today.
1: No worries. Thank and, you me
0: and, and me and Nick, it's goodbye and stay safe. Goodbye.